This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. off on this Tuesday. Thanks so much for making us a part of your afternoon. We're on the fan. We're on FM-ish. Kind of AM-ish. App in though, man. Worldwide. Tap that app and take us with you wherever you go. The 3 o'clock hour of the show is brought to you by This Stuff Matters. Like and subscribe to This Stuff Matters, the podcast. Post it at 680 The Fan's website. You'll see it right under the podcast header or at thisstuffmatters.net. Let's start the 3 o'clock hour by saying hello to Charles Oliver. Hey, Matt. Hi, Chuck. Guess what? Bye. I got a text message this morning from a friend of mine. What'd it say? Said, hi, I'm Buffy, your sexy chocolate sundae with a chocolate fudge on top. So let's pretend I'm the ice cream in your cone. Scoop me. What? How did, how did you uh, how did you respond to that? You know what? He put so many smiley face emojis in that text message. I think I want to sleep with him. Okay. No judgment here, Chuck. No judgment. I think I was reading lyrics. I was a, a Danny Ferry defense. Really? All right. Uh, so uh, the big news that broke earlier this afternoon, the Ravens have hired former Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Munkin. Oh, no! We suck again! Well, they're two-time defending national champions. not like they're going to fall apart. And it didn't seem like it was big news to Kirby. No, because six seconds later, they announced that Mike Bobo was the OC, which here's the way this went. Todd, are you staying or going? Kirby, I'm not sure. Mike, if he leaves, you're the guy. Todd, are you staying or going? Kirby, I'm not sure. Kirby, I'm leaving. Todd... Thank you for your time, Mike. You're the guy. Like, that's how quick this was. There was no search. There was no anything else. He could have been at Applebee's for lunch and, like, between the salad and the entree, made the decision. That's it. Now he's going off to uh, coach the Ravens, which... Claude's in the announcement. <laughs> it was ready to go. No, the other one. Okay, it, yeah. It was in the draft box. It was ready to move. Um, the other part of this for Munkin is, does he think Lamar's staying? Did Lamar really have a voice in this? Like some of the reports were that he would have some kind of say-so. So that part of the NFL side of it becomes interesting for Todd Munkin. I'm curious what his salary is going to jump to. I'm curious what Mike Bobo is going to make. I know we just got done arguing Stetson Bennett, or not me, but a lot of you, of what Stetson was or wasn't until the last snap he took against TCU. Now the same bunch will start arguing what Mike Bobo is or isn't to the offense. That dumb argument can return. I, I'm very conflicted about what should be versus what I saw most recently. So I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what his role as analyst was or quality control or whatever. Uh, I assume he was self-scouting and scouting the opponent. I don't know if he was coming up with game plan or suggesting plays. I know that that's what 
Um, Munkin said this was Bobo's, this was Buster's, right. yeah, he this said was that whatever. Yes, title game. Um, but I know now. Granted, you coach to the personnel, but when I saw most recently, was not a very forward approached offense. Last time he was in charge, but you know that'll be different. It should be. Remember the last time he was the OC in Athens, they averaged forty-one points a game. For what that's worth, uh, the coach who followed him, a gentleman by the name of Brian Cornelius Schottenheimer's offense averaged twenty-six. One good a game. So it's not like I just told you you're getting shoddy back. You're getting Bobo back. So we'll talk all about what that means moving forward. But the Monk, no longer in Athens. And we said when he was up for this job, why would he leave? He just, either two things. He wanted the NFL life back, and he just likes to move. He is a nomad who does not stay somewhere more than three or four years. That has been his career, uh, you know, path that he's taken, and it continued this time. I have not heard... An established, oft-repeated reputation from Kirby. Boy, hard to work with. I can't imagine he's easy to work for. But I think it's maybe kind of bottom line. Either recruit your ass off and do a competent job with the X's and O's, or you don't keep your job. Uh, I haven't, like Saban, everybody knows, not easy to work for Saban. Um, I haven't heard that. So I don't know anybody fleeing the staff for that reason. I don't get that I sense heard, I, like, I haven't heard that. No, like I, Brian I Dayball, I, get the hell away from here. We've heard that several times. Yeah. That Nick wears on you, which I understand. Um, the other part is, I <laughs> can't believe I'm doing this now. Will Todd Munkin push for the drafting of Stetson Bennett late in the draft with the Ravens as a backup? Because then that seemed to fit. That'd be a great choice. Yeah. Backup Lamar. Just say if, if you have, because here's the value of a late round, sixth or seventh round guy. You take a quarterback. If he makes the roster, that's a successful pick. Right. And wait, wait a minute. What if he's the starter? Lamar comes to the Falcons, and all of a sudden the world's right again. Maybe that's something to think about. What did you do to uh, invest on your Monday night? What was your Monday night plan? Um, what are you talking about? Last night, what'd you do? Oh, uh, I was like, I, was I supposed to do something? No. Uh, it was sort of the... This is not a probing question. You're not on trial. Yeah, I didn't know. No. Um, yeah, this is sort of the... It was the Valentine's night dinner, sort of. So. Which is the new thing that a lot of people are doing this Monday night because there's no uh, hustle and bustle for restaurants and reservations and all that. Oh, no, no. It was yeah. pizza and flowers. That's, that's fine. Yeah, so. uh, I decided to invest two hours to watch the Atlanta Hawks. Because remember, the HTA, the hot take oh. artist, I told you the Hawks were going to win eight in a row. They were playing a bad team last night, and they gave a bunch of No, they were playing a god-awful team. Uh, they were playing a really, really bad team, and they gave up a buttload of points. So the Hawks lost 144 to 138 yeah. in what looked like a lunchtime pickup game at LA Fitness where both teams just wanted to get a sweat going. Now, the Hawks today should be ashamed of themselves for losing to that team for a third time. The Hornets only have 16 wins. Somehow they got the number, man. The Hawks should be ashamed of giving up 20 three-pointers last night to the Hornets and 144 points. The Hawks should be ashamed of playing with such little defensive interest or intensity. But as I tweeted last night, you have to have pride to also feel shame. And that rubbed people the wrong way. And so how can you say that? That's over the... No. How else do you give up 144? And I watched the entire back and forth. With, now, Charlotte overshot their skis. There's no doubt. But an NBA player, even the worst of shooters... When they get wide-open look after wide-open look, they're going to hit them. LaMelo Ball or P.J. Washington or Gordon Hayward. The Hawks should be ashamed. But again, that takes pride. And I don't know how much pride that team has, especially some nights on the defensive end. That whole organization was summed up in one night. From that team to that coaching staff to that front office to that ownership, they are a freaking mess. They are sitting at 29-29, and 29, 
Nothing worse in the NBA than being in the middle of the pack. You had a layup of a schedule for the next five or six games. That's why I said I thought they could go on a nice streak. Going into the break, you want to feel good, too. No, there's no feeling good. Better-ish. They're obnoxious to watch. They are so, like the 2015 Hawks, I don't think talent-wise match this team, but that team was a pleasure to watch, and that team won a championship team. They overachieved and won 60 games playing what we now look at as team ball and all this other stuff. That team last night, getting back defensively is a chore for them. And this was supposed to be the year that with Capella and Murray and Hunter, we're going to play defense. And they've been better at times. But last night, that's an embarrassment. I wish I, I could completely turn off caring about that team. That, that, I, I'm going to be like Billy Bean. Do you remember the movie Moneyball where he didn't watch the games? He would just put the team together. I got to do that going forward. That was a waste of my two hours watching that ish last night. There really was an opportunity. You were not overspeaking that. And they didn't actually have an easy time with the Spurs the other night, but kind of turned it that way late. Um, but that's a bad team, and you beat them. Last night, man, that's just... Ugh. Chuck, Charlotte scored 74 in the first half. They shot 68%. Yeah. They had 109 in three quarters. They shot 54% from three. They entered the game dead last in NBA offensive rating and net rating. That was the team that just put up 144, which reminds you the Hawks some nights don't try. And that's... And I saw a wrestler sitting under the basket. Mr. Uh, you know, Mr. Owner sitting right there watching that 29-29 and 29 club, that he had a big hand in making it what it is today. Th this team should not, even at, even as they're built right now, they're not a championship team, but nor should they be 500. And everybody thinks firing Nate, maybe that'll solve it. Eh, fine, maybe a little bump like you got when you fired Lloyd, sure. But there is, there is something off with this team, and it starts with Trey, and it continues all the way down the bench, and it continues in the front office, and the coaching staff, and the whole thing is just... A nightmare. But I digress. Uh, Braves continue spring training. Fun. I saw guys in the cage today, which made me feel good. Michael Harris already showed up for oh, camp. Oh, that's awesome. He's taking rips. I saw Riley. I saw Okuna. They're in Northport. Now, pitchers and catchers were the only ones who had a report who were showing up for the WBC or like Acuna, who was playing for, the, uh, for Venezuela. Those guys had to show up early. Otherwise, guys can trickle in during the week. And it sounds like one Larry Chipper Jones will return to the coaching staff and his part-time hitting role consultant. Head down, drive through the ball. Is that what he says? I don't know. What does he say? I think he probably does more than that. Head down, drive through Keep the your ball. Head down, drive through the ball. Elbow up. And as he's done, he goes you play golf. Drop your elbow. It's just a bunch of pop flies. This feels a little bit dismissive of what. I don't know what he says. I Hell, I don't know. I know, but Coach Larry does more than drop yeah. your elbow. No, don't. Oh, don't drop Keep your, your elbow up. And drop your head. I don't know. Ask him. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what he does. Coach Larry, what do you say to the guys in the game? I think everybody's individual. He looks at different. Remember what his Austin Riley stuff was? He was like focused on right center with him. Right center, right center. Okay, he's going to throw another curveball. Hit it this time. That's good coaching. Well, you're, you have always been dismissive of him. And no, he continues I have not. Yes. I, don't know what it, I don't know what he says. Wait, do you hear this? I don't know. He, or any hitting coach, I don't know what they say. I don't know. Did, I don't know. Did Chipper hurt you somewhere? No, I do, love Chipper. It doesn't I sound like the, it. He's the greatest Atlanta Brave ever. No, all right. It just doesn't sound I'll like it. Oh, hush up. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll reach out to him. I hate Chipper. I remember that. I remember that. Uh, Braves GM. It's a hoy. <laughs> Braves GM Alex Anthopoulos. Alex Anthopoulos. Will join us in about 20 minutes. The best in the business. We will ask Alex about. The voice of Atlanta. Is he? The voice of Atlanta. He, uh, are you sure you want to describe me? Uh, Alex will talk to us about the Ian Anderson-Mike Soroka battle. We'll ask him about left field, Vaughn Grissom at short, the bullpen, the depth, the money, all of it. 
with Alex Anthopoulos. Alex Anthropolis. In uh, less than 20 minutes. Now, the part of me that woke up this morning, Chuck, that was sad was the football part of me. Realizing we will not have another NFL football game for seven months. So I have to look ahead, and I did. Trying to figure out the opener for the 2023 season. That Thursday night oh. in Kansas City where the world champion Chiefs will be hosting. You tell me who they're going to play. You ready? This is their schedule. Lions. Bears. Dolphins, Raiders, Broncos, Chargers, Bengals, Bills, Eagles. Oh, the Eagles? It's a good schedule. Now, you're wow, gonna, there's three really, really outstanding choices. You're going to say the Eagles. They don't typically do the Super Bowl rematch in the opener because they like to have that Bills on another night. And Bills, Bengals seem obvious, yeah. right? Uh, what if the Raiders get Aaron? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's no wrong answer on opening Thursday That's night. A hell of a man. A great schedule. Gosh. Isn't it? It's a fun home schedule. I was looking at the Falcons schedule, which based on win percentage from this season is is on paper the easiest schedule in the NFL. It never works out this way, but on paper it is. Home games for the Falcons. We know the division, Tampa, Carolina, Aints. Home games with Minnesota, Green Bay, Houston, Indianapolis, and Washington. That is not exactly the toughest of home schedules, no. nor the most intriguing. Like, try to find the intrigue in that schedule. Minnesota, Minnesota no. Green Bay, post-Aaron. Well, he's playing somewhere, 58 million. He won't be there, though. No. Houston, Indy, Washington. That's awful. It is. Tampa, Carolina, New Orleans is awful. I don't even think there'll be Matt Ryan there. Uh, road games. At the division, we know Tampa, New Orleans, and Carolina. At the Bears, at the Lions, in Jacksonville, Duval. At the Titans, at the Jets, and at the Cardinals. What a pukey schedule. Now, again, it never works out the same way you believe on paper, but ooh. I wonder if they'll get a weather game. The Falcons have not had a weather game. They had Buffalo a couple of years ago, it felt like, at the end of the season. But they have not had a real, like, it was cold in Baltimore this year. I should say that, right? It was one of the coldest days, but there was no snow. No. It wasn't like a mess. Well, so. They had a Sunday night game against the Bears about 15 years ago. I'm trying to, you're asking, you're asking. I didn't go back to the Packers and, and whatever that was. What do you think will be the lone primetime Amazon game on the schedule this coming season? Where uh-huh. Al Michaels will be upset that we're on the schedule? Because do they kill two birds? At the Saints. Yeah, kill two NFC South crappy birds. So you get them off. You only have to play them once. Somebody by brand will see both of those and, oh, wait a minute, they're a rivalry and just get tricked into watching some of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is Amazon again next year. Yeah. Thursday night against somebody in the division. And let's be clear, unless the Falcons make some kind of big splash at quarterback, this team will be off the national radar again. Like, nobody will pay any attention to them nor be super interested or think they're very exciting uh, with Ritter or whatever else they're going to do in free agency. So don't exactly think things are going to change overnight as far as the national landscape for them. It's time to wing it. Presented by WNB Factory. Serving up Atlanta's best wings and burgers with over 60 locations. Find yours at WNBFactory.com. All right, you'll send your uh, answers today to the Winging an Idea question to the Harris Cherokee Casino's Twitter feed. It is Valentine's Day, Chuck. Happy Valentine's. Uh, Chuck wanted us to do this one. It's a go-to for him every year, so let's help Chuck fill out his all-Valentine's Day team. No, 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 no. His all-Valentine's Day team. This is Chuck's. So I surrendered this. We'll do it. Whatever. Are you on board? Would, we do it every year. I don't. Whatever. It's Chuck, I'll start with Davis Love. 
and then I'll back it up with Candy Maldonado. <laughs> Love and candy. <laughs> uh, former Falcon Ed Hartwell. How about that? I could kiss you, not Ed just because it's Valentine's. Look at you embracing the... Nah, not embracing. I'm just playing along. I'm just... Um, Dan Matthews, happy Valentine's Day. Is enough. That's Who, like... Who's on your uh, Chuck all Valentine's Day team? Happy Valentine's Day. Pete Rose. Ah, Rose for a Rose. Brandon Joseph. General Booty. Good day for a call, right? Uh, Brian Montrevious Hoyt. Uh, Atlanta Brave, Tyler Flowers. Giving you flowers all up. Look at you guys. Chuck's all Valentine's Day team, one of my favorite shows. Oh. You'll send your answers to the Harris Barbecue. Uh, that's in the summer. Oh. Don't get ahead of it. Calendar tells us the day. We don't just move ahead. Uh, you'll send your answers. Number one, like barbecue tip, like barbecue. A great barbecue show. You can uh, tweet us at barbecue and just say barbecue, barbecue. Chuck, hold my phone. Uh, you'll send your answers to the Harris Cherokee Casino's Twitter feed. Alex, <laughs> is it going off already? Alex, yeah. Anth- Alex Anthopoulos in 15 minutes. Coming up next, though, these five, five interesting spring things that should keep Braves fans on their toes until opening day. I dated a girl with nine toes. Did you really? Her and feet look like she snatched dinner from a lake. Huh. It's like your hot cousin with a bad feet. <laughs> Her feet are good, and she's... Uh, never mind. I'll share not one, not two, not three, not four, but five interesting spring things for Braves fans next. Mm. Touch me in the morning and then just walk away. Is that voice you just did? You're going to feel a lot of love on this program today. Mm, sounds delicious. Yeah, it does, Dan. Chuck and turn off on the fan. That took 10 seconds for him to turn that around. Way to go, boy. Sounds delicious. It does indeed. Chuck and turn off till, uh, can we make that our now our show theme? Chuck and turn off. Mm. Mm, sounds sounds delicious. delicious. Very good. With Eagle 6, that's when the uh, Front Rose Audio Fun Bag will follow. The 3 o'clock hour of our show is brought to you by This Stuff Matters. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. You just said that. To This Stuff Matters, the podcast posted at 680 The Fan's website under the podcast header. Or at thisstuffmatters.net. Alex. Sounds delicious. You're right, Dan. Alex Anthopoulos will sound delicious in about five minutes. We'll talk to him about all things Brave Spring training, including the Ian Anderson Mike Soroka battle, the thing going on in left field with Rosario and Ozuna, the new look bullpen, concerns that Alex has, all of the above. Alex Anthopoulos. All that stuff. And all, all those things. All, all of it. The stuff, yep. All that stuff. All of it. With Alex. But before we go to Alex, I figure it's the perfect time to do this because we are post Super Bowl now. The Braves are running around in Northport. Pitchers and catchers have reported they'll have full team activities in less than a week. We've got Brave Spring training games February 25th, and then it's it's on and popping. So I wanted to do, Chuck, five things. My countdown of five spring things that I think will make for an interesting Point of view for Braves fans to keep up with the Northport, okay? Spring things. Five spring things. Thing number five, Sean Murphy. Getting comfortable with his new staff because he will be the catcher five days out of seven, yeah. it sounds like. He caught 116 games a year ago in Oakland, and he is not one of these guys who catches just three or four days a week. He is going to be the prime number one catcher. I saw him talking today about catching Charlie Morton for the first time, and there is an acclimation process for both the pitcher and the catcher. So in spring, I think that's kind of a big deal to get him on the same page with his new staff. And remember, he was brought here for a couple of reasons. His ability to throw runners out, 
His pitch framing is thought to be very good, and Braves pitchers have had a comfort zone with Travis Darno, so now you want to get that with Murphy. So watch that as thing number five. Chuck, thing number four. Wait a minute. Five is the catcher getting yes. comfortable with the staff. And Correct. For, okay. Yes. Catcher. Yes. Okay. Uh, number thing four. Yep. Ozzie and Acuna back to being Ozzie and Acuna. Oh. Last season, we know Ozzie started very slow, and then the injuries came. 101 games. Acuna was back, but he was never really back. Those two a year ago combined for just 23 home runs and 85 RBI. That ain't them. The season before, it was 54 homers and 152 ribs. And that was with Ronnie playing just half yeah. a season, so it tells you again what the sky could be as far as the limit for those two. Well, Having them, their be, dynamic game changing. It could be 70 combined home runs without it being an unusual season. Agreed. Ah. Thing number three, the Ozuna-Rosario battle, which I don't know if it's a battle. I don't have much expectation for Marcel, so I'm starting from a place of he's washed. And if you start at that place of he's washed, the bar is pretty low, and anything he gives you will be a little bit of a... Well, I didn't see that coming kind of experience. Whereas Rosario, I still have some faith that Rosario can be an above-average offensive player. And, it, and, folks, I'm telling you, if you get above-average offense at short and left with the rest of what they have, oh, they're yeah. in great spots. And there's actually, this isn't just a hope. Um, Rosario from the Braves is, he's got a, he had about a four-year run where it was damn productive. Boom, 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 boom. Season after season, he hadn't been healthy, hadn't been right. And so, a-Train just doesn't hand out money, and he gave uh, Rosario two years in decent cash. Like, jock for six or seven would have been easy. It was 2-18 and 18 for Rosario. That's good money. Who, When the Braves, when he finally got back healthy after they traded him for a mascot, he hit a 900 OPS with the Braves for about six weeks and then turned into Babe Ruth in the postseason. So just be above average. Thing number two, Vaughn Grissom holding it down at short. What does that mean? That means just pick up the routine stuff and be what Dansby was offensively in 2018 and 2019. Wash says he can do that. Don't hold him, if you're the fan, to the bar that Dansby was last season because that wasn't Dansby until last season. The Dansby of 2018-19 is the one that a lot of you still wanted to get rid of. He didn't pick the ball up as much as you wanted. He didn't hit as much, and you didn't have the patience to let it play out. You know who you are. 2018 Dansby hit 238. 14 homers, 59 RBI, 699 OPS, and 87 OPS plus, and a war of 2.9. Below average offensively and just okay defensively. The Braves won 90 games. Even in 2019, Dansby was 251, 17 homers, 65 RBI, a 748 OPS with an 89 OPS plus and a 1.8 war. He was below average offensively still and better defensively, but not great. And the Braves won 96 games. Bond do that. Everything will be fine. Mm, it's hard to... There's a big picture there, and there is a comfort level. And I know center fielder is at least as much, if not more, but there is something about having a rock out there at shortstop. Yeah, but that wasn't proven. Dansby then. That was not it Dansby. Wasn't, it was last year. Last year it was, but they, like told you, they won 90 and 96 oh. those two years. Uh, no. Well, that was had a third baseman with MVP season, and, you know. Guess what they have now? Well, they should. Austin I and mean, Ozzie. They just had a and, different cast of characters. Yes. So. Thing number one, Soroka and Ian battling for the fifth spot would be fascinating. I think we overrate the importance of who was going to win it because they're both going to be needed at some point, either early or late throughout the season. And there is a very good chance one of these pitchers, either one of these two or somebody else in the rotation, will get slowed with a shoulder or an elbow and they'll be delayed two or three weeks. So the starting five in the rotation will be easy to figure out. But those two guys, I don't know if any other team in baseball has a battle for the last spot in the rotation being those two type of guys who have that kind of ceiling if they're healthy. 
So that part of it to me becomes a fascinating one to watch. Chuck, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five spring things to watch. The uh, two MVP candidates uh, coming back to full strength or approximation of it, you know, that probably hits the list for me. Well, do your own list. Yeah. You got time tomorrow. <laughs> you got a week of content to fill. All right, let me uh, switch gears. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions, and the Marketing Mad Men have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why. Let's bring in a man who I apologize for making him wait on hold. He's got stuff to do. He is the general manager for the Atlanta Braves. He's Alex Anthopoulos who's kind enough to join us on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. Alex, let's start right here with what we were just talking about, the battle, as I called it, for the uh, fifth spot in the rotation between Ian Anderson and Mike Soroka. Take me through that. What's it going to look like? Yeah, look, I, used to, I hope it's a battle, right? I hope it's like, man, these guys are rolling, and it's a tough decision for us. That'd be ideal. Um, look, they both have options, so meaning that they could be sent down to the minor leagues at any time. Uh, without having to go through uh, outright waivers and so on. So whoever we start with, and look, they're the front runners, guys like Allard and Bryce Elder and so on, will still compete, but with what they've both done, Soroka being in the Cyan conversation in 2019, Ian Anderson, what, he, what he's done here the last three years, they're clearly going to be the, the front runners. But whoever we go with, it doesn't mean it stays that way the entire year, right? It's going to be the best guy. So if someone ends up hitting a bump in the road and someone's down and Gwinnett throwing the ball, great, we'll make a change. So we're going to try to put the best team out that we can every day, and we know how tight this division is going to be, and every win's going to matter. What will you see, whether it's a number or just some visually, what will you see from Charlie Morton and you'll go, okay, he's right again? Yeah, so, you know, you, I always tell myself before spring training, I'm not going to get overly influenced, right? But, of course, I'm not down there yet, but I call, and you're asking guys, how do guys look? And everyone says, man, Charlie looks unbelievable. Uh, he's always in great shape, but he's in even, even greater shape. And, look, the biggest thing with Charlie was, I know, like, the stats don't look great, but when we signed him, if you remember, you know, we, when we signed him coming off that 2020 season with the Rays, his ERA was was well into, into the fours. He pitched really well down the stretch for them, but – it was a story to tell in terms of he had an abbreviated off season in terms of just the summer with COVID. We reported to camp. He had three weeks to be ready to be the opening day starter for the Rays. Didn't get off to a great start because he needs a certain amount of time. Uh, went on the IL and then came back and pitched well all the way to the World Series. With us, the first year in 21, he had a normal off season, full off season, came into camp, had plenty of time to get ready, had an awesome year. Last year, or he's coming off the in injury with the World Series. We're locked out, so we can't directly communicate with him, rehab, and so on. He's trying to get ready for opening day. Everything was rushed and was crammed in. So uh, when you look at everything, his velo, his stuff is pretty much the same. The biggest change in the statistics 
or the home run rate. And we think there's an element of luck to that. So his track man data, all this data, for the most part, everything's the same. So I expect Charlie to be 2021 Charlie. So, uh, and Whaley, when we signed him, the same way his stats with the Rays didn't look great. If you look at his last year with the Astros, a lot of his rate stats, the walk rate, strikeout rate, innings and so on they're right in line basically with with the same thing so uh i think charlie's gonna have a huge year for us alex anthopoulos braves general manager with chuck and turn off on the fan if i called left field a potential platoon is that going too far how does rosario ozuna work itself out yeah you know what it is totally wide open so it could be anything and like same thing with the fifth spot it, it can change right so um even you look at Last year, the way things changed, we traded for Robbie Grossman, a potentially be a right-handed bat off the bench. Smith ended up going with him and playing him more often. So um, we're going to go with the hot hand. If that works out to be a platoon, great. If that works out with somebody gets the line share every day at bats, that's fine too. Um, but we don't have anyone who's locked in. Clearly, Harrison Acuna are locked in the center and right, no matter what happens. A field based on the seasons we had from Ozuna, from Rosario, and then the other guys that we brought in, it's it's wide open at this point. So, again, I think we've got we got a lot of optionality, and um, we we can make changes at any time. Uh, Ronald Acuna, very home country proud, and good for him. Uh, are there limitations on him in the WBC? No, he's good. I mean, I think the biggest thing is look, you're always worried with all these guys. Um, but he's fine. We let him play in the winter. We let him DH. I mean, he was going to play spring training games with us, and he's going to have to get ready. And we had no plans or have any 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 restrictions going into the season. So, you know, he our plan was to get him ready in spring and be an everyday guy. And if that means playing twenty games in a row, I mean, there isn't anything that would stop us from doing that. So, um, again, you always worry. That's with any player when you're not you don't have eyes on him. But he's good. He's ready to go. He's further removed from the knee. I do think with Rosario and him specifically. Getting at bats, competitive at bats, is not a bad thing from a timing standpoint, and that should only be a good thing going into the season. Alex, I was trying to do my best to get in the mind of Alex Anthopoulos, and I'm like, okay, signing all these outfielders, right? Here's uh, Kevin Pillar, and here's Sam Hilliard, and here's Eli White, and it's one after another. Um, is that potentially because you want depth on the bench, not knowing what left field could be? Is that because the minor league system needs some depth and we're going to have some guys you know, taking care of AAA while the younger guys work their way up in the system? Tell me about all the signings in the outfield. Yeah, I think it's all of the above. So uh, I constantly worry about when guys get hurt, who's coming up, who's playing, because the likelihood is at all positions, things are going to happen, we're going to lose guys. And, you know, one, even if you, you think you can make changes at the trade deadline, that's four months of the year that you have to get there, right? So God forbid we lose guys in spring training or early in the season. Realistically, you're not, you can't really do a whole lot about it other than internal options until the end of July. So that's four months, and that's a lot of games to wait. So I think the biggest thing for us was, look, the guys that are, that are real in, impact bats, those guys are going to be very expensive. They're going to be big contracts, going to be huge trades. They're harder to come by. So, you know, the view for us is that we had guys internally that had down years with the bat, but that are bat first guys, Azuna, Rosario, and so on. And we wanted to make sure if the bats don't come, that we know we're going to have elite defense in left field. And you know, Sam Hilliard's got elite defensive tools. He's got upside to hit as well. Eli White's got elite defensive tools. Kevin Pillar has been a very good defender in, in, in the past. And we want our depth to be that we have guys that can come in and play defense at all spots. Our lineup is deep. It's certainly strong. 
We wanted to get protection in center field as well. We don't know yet how Ronald's going to look. Now, is the defense now back to where it was that he can spell Harris if Harris does end up on the IL or if Harris does need a day off? Guillermo Heredia was always that guy. So we've gotten a lot of guys that can fill in center field because I'm hoping Mike stays healthy and he has a great year and so on. But if somebody was to go down, what are we doing and, and what are we doing at that spot? So uh, we want to make sure that we we were going to have that depth and be a great defensive club. Because when you look at the lineup, one through nine, uh, it should be deep. And it, we might just decide to go with elite defense and left from a run prevention standpoint and have great defender in left, great defender in center, great defender in right, and just, you know, Make make all those outs and hate, uh, help the, the starters and and the relievers. So uh, it's it's nice to have that depth. A lot of these guys have options. They can go to Gwinnett. So it's just a really good spot to be in. And we know that if guys get hurt, you know, the one other piece for us was that when Ronald didn't need to miss time, we didn't have a whole lot of guys that can go stand in right field. Meaning guys with with real arm strength that could be plus defenders in right field. Now that was a, a sore spot for us. So. Again, I hope all these guys stay healthy, but we need depth in center, depth in right. It's hard to find, and the guys that we brought in can fill both spots. Uh, what is a realistic uh, scenario in your brain for this spring, this season for Ozzy? Like, what's what's this going to look like? I mean, he's full go. So he's full go. Just, you know, he was snake bit last year, right? He, he gets hurt, rehabs. Bam, he's right back on the IL. So um, no no restrictions, no limitations at all. When you look at how good he was in, in 21, uh, and even you look at 20, right? He didn't have a great year in 20 either. He got up to slow start with a bat. He got hurt, and then he came back. And in 21, he had a phenomenal year. So um, I think the biggest thing with all these guys is that we feel like we're not so reliant on one player. So if guys get hurt or guys have a down year, we don't feel like the whole thing ends up falling apart. And that's really what you're always trying to do when you build a team. So um, we know what the ability is. We know what the talent is. Um, for the most part, you know, we expect him to stay healthy and have a great year and be the dynamic player he's always been. Alex Anthopoulos, Braves GM with Chuck and Chernoff on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. Uh, I thought it was, when describing Vaughn Grissom's expectation, I said to the listeners, I think it's probably fair to do Dansby in 2018. Don't do Dansby in 2022 because he had become an entirely different player on both sides of the ball. Is that a fair expectation when you look at what you're hoping for out of Vaughn? I think that's a great point. That's something we actually talked about specifically here is, look, of course, just like I've used this analogy a million times, but when we lost Donaldson, we lost a 900 OPS third baseman, gold glove caliber defender, that 2019, an MVP caliber player in 2019. We didn't expect Riley to just be that guy in in, uh, 2020. And, but we thought he'd be good enough. But look, Riley ended up hitting eighth or at the bottom of the order at, low 700 OPS and was just solid for us, but we weren't counting on him. So I think whether it's Orlando Arcia or whether it's Vaughn Grissom, I think, like you said, Dansby Swanson wasn't an elite player his first year in the league. It took time, but we were still able to win the division with him playing the way he did. And he kept getting better at, at short. He kept getting better offensively. So if you look at his career, you can still win that way. And I think the biggest thing for us is we're not looking or we don't expect to replace the season Dansby gave us. That would be crazy, right? Getting a six-win guy at shortstop. But you know, maybe we, we recover those wins in other areas. Maybe Acuna's a little better. Maybe Soroka and Ian Anderson are a little better. Maybe some of the relievers are a little bit better. Maybe some other spots are better. And, look, in fairness, 101 wins is fantastic. But there, there's a reason it hadn't been done here in 20-plus years. It's just hard to do. So, 
to sit there and think that, you know, you're, you're going to be able to do that again. Sure, we'd love to do that, but you want to get to the playoffs. So even if you go from a six-win shortstop to a two-win shortstop or a win-and-a-half or whatever it might be, you still can be a playoff team. You still can be a team that wins a division. So, um, And, look, even with players like Dansby or anybody else, you, you hope you don't build the ball club. What if you have those players and they get hurt and they miss the season or they have down years? You don't want to feel like your whole team is so dependent on that one player. You know, we expected Acuna to be back to MVP caliber Acuna last year. It didn't happen. You know, things occur, but we had enough depth and we had a good enough club that we could overcome it, still win 101 games and win the division. So um, I'm not saying we want to lose great players to free agency or lose great players in trade, but if you're doing things the way you should, you need to build a deep enough roster that you should be able to overcome any one player. Will you promise me that there are no plans for the team to monkey around with the left fielder? I don't like giving away triples, like to move him to the new, like the infield shift position, et cetera. We're not going to leave like left field wide open, right? Yeah, that hasn't, that has not been discussed at all. Now, if for whatever reason, there's some compelling case to even talk about it, we will, but we haven't even talked about that. So the first it's come up is right now with this, this moment. So um, definitely not, but we'd have to, we'd need some really compelling uh, facts Outstanding. to consider that. You got to remember, one, we need Smith to be on board with something like that. We need Eric Young to be on board with something like that. Then from that point, they're on board. We need to get the well, players on board. Now, so Walt Weiss is kind of don't feel it. Walt Weiss is kind of the he's the kind of the advanced analytics sort of mole, right? He's supposed to kind of like slow bleed all this with Snitker. No, you know what? It's really done as a group. I mean, it, it depends on the respective area. So um, we really do it as an entire entire group. So um, if it's for the infield stuff, now Walt and Smith will be involved. We'll be in the meetings. You know, we need buy-in and support. And it always starts there. Um, and look, if they have issues or concerns, we talk about it. You know, and it doesn't even get to the players. But basically, there's, a, basically there's almost like an approval process that we go through. We started in the office. Um, I'll ultimately sign off on it here if I feel good about it, and then we're ready to unveil it and bring it to Smith and Walt and to the coach, whether it's outfield or infield. And then as we go through that and we feel good about that, then we go to the next step and we bring it to the player. But there are times that maybe it won't get past the front office or it won't get past Smith and the individual coach. We want to make sure that whatever we we bring to those guys, we're pretty confident that it's going to be impactful and certainly work. Alex, before we let you go, let me ask you about the pen. Uh, the Jimenez trade certainly was a big deal for you to add depth, kind of change things around with Iglesias now moving into the closer spot. Is it fair to say, though, if Yates is right, and he's close to what Yates was a couple of years ago, all of a sudden the depth and the dominance of this bullpen can be as good as anybody? No doubt. I mean, the, the depth of the pen is so important to us. So uh, I would say is that, yeah, Yates is certainly someone that we know what he can be. He can be one of the best relievers in the game. And the impact that he certainly has is outstanding. And Look, we, by design, want a very deep bullpen because there's going to be nights that we play. We've played a lot of games in a row, and certain guys are just down. And there's times relievers fight, and they want to be available to pitch, and they get upset. And I always tell these guys, I'm like, I can't trade for four relievers at the trade deadline. I mean, we, we did it once in 2019, and I don't ever want to do it again. Um, but if all these guys break and we wear them down, we just can't replace them in season. So 
we have to be careful during the season to protect these, these guys and make sure we have depth. Um, and during the playoffs, it changes with all the off days. But by, by design, I think I learned a lot from 2019 and after the trade for so many relievers. I've said I don't ever want to be in that position again. Um, and you start Yates, Jimenez, and so on. And look, the other component is one guy ends up getting hurt in spring training, like a Luke Jackson and so on. And all of a sudden, everyone moves up a peg. And that's tough to do to get late-inning relievers. So uh, you're not getting any, any help during the season season other than internal until the end of July and even then what's so hard about trading for relievers is every contending team can fit them on the roster you always have you always can afford them in trade you always can afford them salary wise and you always can afford them on the roster you can always make room so it makes it very competitive and very hard to acquire we know you're busy Alex we always appreciate the time I'm sure we'll catch up during spring training thanks for uh, spending some time with us all right guys really glad to do it close personal friend of mine Braves general manager Alex Anthopoulos. All right, coming up next, this Georgia prediction makes no good football sense, but I agree with it 100%. We'll talk about it next. Kiss Cam! I've been really trying, Kiss Cam! Trying to hold back Kiss Cam! Kiss Cam! Just doesn't work as well on radio. Kiss Cam! Never has. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Pride Month to you as well. All right. Uh, from your radio loves, Chuck and Chernoff on the fan. Kiss cam. <laughs> you can stay connected. All your latest news, your favorite fan shows, all on the fan app driven by Beaver Direct. The Beaver. Beaver Direct, the fastest and easiest way to shop online for your next vehicle. Visit Beaver. Toyotaofcoming.com to see what wow. Wow. Really means. Download the fan app now in the iTunes and Google. I don't want, I don't, I don't want to do this. You want to do what? I, what we're about to do. All right. Before, before we talk about Todd Munkin leaving and uh, Georgia transitioning with three new quarterbacks let's bring in we, when we have a new employee around here we always like them to get to know us and us to know them and chuck has a way about meeting the new employees oh. <clears throat> but let me let you know this our next guest is not an intern you already called her an intern during the break no i didn't call her an intern what did you say i was referring to somebody else oh, okay so uh amanda schwartz is with us she's our new social media manager Welcome see, to the- i didn't know that well, it's in every memo that's been written for... We'll get to that in a second. Go ahead. <laughs> now so, you do. <laughs> Amanda, welcome to the team. Thank you. Happy to be here. So when you're following 680 The Fan on any of our social networks, be it Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Bumble, uh, Grindr, any of them... What is it on Twitter or Instagram or Foursquare? Foursquare. Uh, you will have Amanda like right there behind the keys, just you know, make, make sure all that stuff happens. She's so, not on Match or eHarmony, is she? Are you? <laughs> not yet. Not yet. <laughs> So Chuck has a way of getting to know the new employees. I will turn it over to him, and in less than 60 seconds, we will know everything we need to know about you. Is that okay? Perfect, yeah. This is how this came about, though. During the commercial break, I'm reading an email, and I thought it was like a spam email. I was like, Mm -hmm. hey, there's somebody, and they got a 680 email, and they're asking for all of our passwords. (laughs) It was you, they told me. me. I don't take that personally. Okay, so (laughs) you're supposed to be asking for passwords That's what they tell me. By the way, what's the password? No, it said, uh, oh, social handles and all. Okay, well. Yeah, you always think somebody's trying to get inside. Uh, those passwords, too. So when she posts something, she wants to tag you in it, Dopey. All right, well, that sort of, okay, I can see right. that. So, Amanda Schwartz. Yes. Are you from Atlanta? I'm from Los Angeles, California. Okay, I don't think I can ask some of these questions, but I'm asking anyway. Okay, uh, I want to ask how old you were. Uh, how? What year were you born? <laughs> I think 1998. I can ask that. Wow. 1998. Okay. Wow. Did you go to high school out there? I did, yes. Was it anything like Saved by the Bell? 
Not at all. Not even close. Actually, I haven't even seen that show, but I'm going to assume that it's not. God, you're, you're so old, young. Man. You're, you're so young. Old. You're so young. Um, <laughs> all right, so what happened? Was when, where did you graduate from high school? Um, from high school, Agora Hills. And would you be listed as a famous alumni? Probably not yet, but maybe later. So maybe, maybe after this show. Back to career day then. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, so what happened after high school? Um, I went to Mercer University down in Macon, Georgia. Played softball there, and then I got my grad degree from Kentucky. So, all right, go and decided to come back to Atlanta, or yeah, you saw my, the opportunity. my family lives here now, so they moved out here when I was going to Mercer. Still, all right. So, I have a question: How do I see how many tweets I sent the last year? Um, Hootsuite would be a great start. I can get you set up on there. Oh, I don't know. That. What do you know oh, about okay. Hootsuite, Chuck? <laughs> I don't know that. I think it's a hosting I've site where you can send. I retweeted some stuff. Mm. Uh, I don't think I didn't send a single original tweet last mm. year. Is that possible? Wait, we can work on that. You didn't send a tweet? Uh, well, I retweeted some stuff. Okay, that's an endorsement. <laughs> uh, but I didn't really, like, I don't think. I'm, you didn't I'm, send a single, like, original tweet? Well, see, like, my wife sent out something about we adopted a puppy, and then I retweeted and said, yeah, go to DeKalb County Animal Shelter. Mm. But you, I just retweeted what she did and then added my comment. So during, well, the, tweeted. during the Would national championship correct. game, you didn't tweet anything with Georgia? No, just, I watched the game. Amanda, you're going to have to help him with this. <laughs> Seems that way. I'm trying to build brands around here. <laughs> Hoyt, Hoyt tweeted out a picture last April of you, of you and I sharing a Bloody Mary in Las Vegas. You did that? I retweeted. How many tweets did you send all year? I'm trying to see if I actually I sent one on March. No, that was a retweet. Oh, wow. Um, Amanda, you got work to do here. <laughs> it seems I, like it. I sent a tweet on March 31st, 2022. That's when I send a tweet. All right, so don't send her your password unless you want to. <laughs> send her your social handles, and she's going to be in charge Not of running. passwords. Okay. Passwords if you want to. Any I'll other? send out a tweet for you. Chuck, you have any other questions? Give me a place, maybe in Long Island or somewhere. Just give me a place where if you and I were star-tracked to that place right now, just beamed right up there, where would you take me for pizza? You're on the clock on this one, Amanda. Oh, me? Oh, I am a Domino's fan through and through. Um, have you been to Vero over in Brookhaven? Not yet. It's on Johnson Ferry near like the um, like the Bird Watcher store and all that stuff. I'm not trying to give you directions there, but that's where it is. I'll hate try you. it out. I hate you. It's right by hate the Bird you. Watcher store. I hate you. That's a role is, by the way. Amanda, thank you. Thank you. Amanda, thank there you. she goes, no, Amanda no Schwartz. Passwords. No pass. Don't send her your passwords. I no. thought it was going to passwords. passwords. It was a phishing email. <laughs> there she is, the new social media manager. I don't trust anything. I told you, I don't open Mark Zeno's party invites. How do we open an invite? What happens? You get a virus. She was born in 1998. Has never, She's <laughs> never watched the favorite show in your life. She hasn't seen Saved by the Bell, 90210. She went from uh, Los Angeles to Mercer in Macon. That's some culture shock right there. And she's going to help you send a tweet that you haven't sent. Oh, I know how to send a tweet. I just, I have been busy, like, I guess I'll retweet other Do you know what Hootsuite is? It's a hosting site where you could have any of your your social media there, and it would just kind of. Well, I don't really, it's kind of just Twitter. I know. All right. Gosh, I I feel like we're too late now, and I want to do my Georgia. Wait, do I have time? No. Chuck, I got this thing I want to do on Georgia. All right, I'll, I'll save get it. Amanda to send out something on the Insta. All right, I'll save it. I got something on uh, Georgia that we'll get to. If we can't get it today, we'll get it tomorrow because Todd Munkin has exited stage left. He's in Baltimore, and Georgia's got a new but yet old OC named Mike Bobo. So we'll talk Son about of a bitches. I know, I know. Coming up next, credit to Braves ownership for eliminating any real chance of one particular challenge. AIDS. All right, then two particular challenges. 
Yeah, just go ahead. Walker told me I had AIDS. I was waiting for it. I, hell, it doesn't matter. We'll do something next. Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions, and the Marketing Mad Men have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air. Deep center field and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.